March 24, 1976. Piano number 317. Don Carlo, our favorite. 
favorite soloist here at the big warehouse on the south side of Chicago, where there are thousands of pianos to choose from. Have you ever asked yourself what sort of a future that you are preparing for your child? Of course, your child goes to the public schools and is getting a good education there. But what about your child's social future? Will your child be able to entertain and perform at the parties that you yourself long ago gave up on? Well, if you contact warehouse number 169 on the south side of Chicago, your child will be able to play the piano, and untold social graces of success will be his or hers in just a few short weeks. Thank you. That was very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, they used to come on all the time, you know. And and uh, and there was all kinds of rumors. See, people used to say, well, well, uh, first of all, uh, that uh, that there was no such warehouse. I mean, they had they had one big piano record. <laughs> they would play that piano record. And uh, there were all other other rumors, of course, that there was such a warehouse, and it was a den of thieves. Uh, but the, you know these these two arguments would go on and on and on and, and and I would like to suggest now that probably 27 billion Midwesterners I don't know if they ever did that out here in New York but about 27 million Westerners grew up believing that if they did not know how to play the piano their life was going to be a desert uh, that uh, they would never really make it and uh, they used to have uh, yeah they used to, and they had another thing too they had a, they had a, a, another guy that would come on. And his piano sounded pretty much the same way. It would say, and now, this is WMAQ. The time is now 4 p.m. And now we take great pleasure in presenting the Don Carlo, seven minutes a day, slide rule piano chord. even have to own a piano in your own home to learn to play the piano just the way you hear Don Carlo playing it right now. The very first day, you will be picking melodies out with your right hand. Such melodies as the Happy Birthday song, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and My Country Tis of Thee. And by the end of the third day, your left hand will join in, and by the end of the week, after just seven minutes a day with our magic four-color slide rule device, You'll be playing the piano just the way Don Carlo is playing it right now. Just think how the ability to play the piano will change your life overnight. Have you been a wallflower at parties all of your life? Have you had to stand by while others enjoyed the fame and the success that should rightfully be yours? Send your name and address to Don Carlo in care of this station, and in just seven minutes, after your slide rule device arrives, you'll be on your way to fame and fortune and social approval. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways to... to set yourself up to figuring. And then, and of course, there was, uh, I don't have any, thank God, I don't have any records of this. But there was also an accordion school that, uh, that was attempting to convince people that if they could play Red Sails on the Sunset on an accordion, their life, from that minute on, would be one long, 
ecstatic song. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, yeah. You, you come from the Midwest, right? They're still doing it, aren't they, Ed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, nevertheless, oh, listen, one of the very first, that brings up, that brings up a whole ball of wax here, which I didn't even mean to go into. I, I was in high school. And, um, of course, I had fallen. Everybody had fallen in one way or another, had fallen prey, victim, really, to, uh, to that kind of propaganda. You had to learn to play a musical instrument. Or, uh, you know, forget it. You know, you, you were just going to stand around in the corner and, and to eat peanut butter sandwiches while all the others took the fantastic chicks out because they could play the piano. And, and, uh, and so all kinds of kids would go and take these lessons. That was a whole big thing, taking lessons. And uh, you'd see them waiting on the street corner Saturday morning uh, with their gigantic black case that contained a $600, 700-pound accordion. Uh, <laughs> that they were taking to to uh, to learn to play, you know, and and uh, I I I must confess that uh, one time when I was about well I was about seventeen roughly, and I was in high school, I, I think it was actually sixteen. It was, it was in the summer, and I had this I had this job on uh, a local radio station, and one of the very first shows that I ever did, and I look back on it now, I see, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. You know, you're, you're going to have to answer for a lot of stuff ultimately before the great bar of justice, and I think this is going to be one. There was a fantastic, tough lady. I mean, she was really mean. She was the kind of lady that has hair that looks like she's wearing a, a small black football helmet. Uh, you know, the kind that she she wore rimless glasses, and she was absolutely totally grim. And uh, let's say her name was. Uh, Miss Dorothy, she used a name like that. She had Miss something, see, Miss Dorothy. And it was called Miss Dorothy's Talent School. And every Saturday morning at an ungodly hour, because, you know, it was real cheap time on a radio station, they could buy this time for about, oh, maybe $7, $8 an hour. Uh, they came on, I think it's something like 7.30 in the morning on Saturday for one hour. It was called Miss Dorothy's Kitty Talent Hour. <laughs> and guess who was given the rotten job. It's absolutely, it, guys used to actually fist fight at the radio station uh, to get out of doing this. It was just, the, it was just it, first of all, it was totally humiliating. And not only was it humiliating, but it was the kind of job that if you did in the radio station, it marked you. So I was, you know, 17 years old, and all these guys were, you know, veteran announcers. Some guys were even 18. There's a couple of guys that were 19, hard. By the way, our 19-year-old guy was a hard, grizzled, uh, uh, angry news commentator. You know, the older you got, the more they tended to give you the news, see? So uh, I was given this show, and it's 7.30 every morning. Well, actually, we came on at 7.30, but at quarter after 6, I had to be in the radio station. And they had a big studio, and it was completely filled with, like, maybe... Oh, maybe 75, 85 kids, thousands of kids. And all our mothers, all set up on camp chairs. And uh, they, they, they merely called me Uncle Gene. <laughs> I was a cool Sunday, I'm Uncle Gene. So, so uh, we, we'd, uh, we'd go in the studio and, and uh, you, you could smell the Wrigley's gum and, uh, you know, the peanut butter sandwiches. And these kids were all little squirts, little skinny kids. They were, I don't think the the oldest kid was more than eight or nine years old. See, but all little skinny kids. A certain kind of kid that takes lessons. Uh, there's another kind of kid that doesn't. He's out playing football, baseball. There's the lesson-taking kid. 
And here I was, knee-deep in lesson-taking kids, and it was my first experience with that total shrew of the world, the showbiz mama. I want to tell you, there is nothing this side of the hammer-headed shark that is more mean, evil, and man-eating, actually, than the showbiz mother. <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you, they got, they got little green marbles for eyes. And, uh, and, and they, they're totally intolerant of anything that seems to get in the way of their kid. And they all feel that their kid is fantastically talented. Well, Miss Dorothy, the head of the kitty talent school, she knew this and she was milking it. You know, I had a feeling she was underneath that great big, that gigantic cow of avarice, ambition, and, uh, and sad, blasted hopes and dreams, and she's milking it. She, oh, you know, you can see the cream coming out. And uh, every Saturday morning at 7.30, I would come on, and, and they used to give me just a slight echo chamber, if you can provide that with me, uh, for me, Ed, uh, you know, because Miss Dorothy was known as a genius of production. After all, she was in showbiz. She taught kids how to play the accordion. And uh, so uh, Miss Dorothy would stand in the, in the control room with that grim face, and uh, she, uh, at exactly 7.30, she would point to me, and I would say, Miss Dorothy, Kitty's Amateur Hour is on the air. Yes, from our studios live, we're bringing you Miss Dorothy's Amateur Kitty Hour. Thousands of talented kids have come this morning, and all these kitties are going to show you just how much they've learned in a few short weeks at Miss Dorothy's Kitty Talent Salon. Oh, hey. my head turns to cheesecake just thinking of it. Oh, this is WOR, friends. <laughs> Indeed it is. W.O.R. New York, and uh, Ed, please, would you uh, provide us with uh, one of those little goodies from the sales department, if you will? Well, now, wait a minute. Now, as long as we're getting into this this thing, this is, uh, this is a piece of Americana, if there ever was one. Because, you know, we're a people who feels that anything is possible. That's one thing that sets Americans apart from any other race in the world. Uh, Americans never recognize the quantity called talent. <laughs> they just won't accept that. And it is firmly believed by most people that if they had the time, they could write a book. You know, it doesn't take talent. It just, it's just a matter of time, it's all. If they could learn to type. Uh, I've, I've, you know, acting, same way. Uh, when I was doing a lot of stuff here in town, Broadway, things and that, people would say, you know, I, I'd like to be an actor. You know, I've got a good memory. I, I, could, th I could learn the words. Uh, acting is a matter of learning the words. So, it, naturally, the next, uh, the next transition is that if uh, you could get enough time and you could take a couple of piano lessons, there's no reason why you couldn't be a fantastic talent, play piano, you know. The word talent really doesn't mean talent to most people. It means success. If you're successful, you have talent. Uh, so it's a very curious word. So all these ladies would come in every Saturday morning and grim. Oh, I want to tell you, grim. There was no joking among these ladies. And this poor little kid would be dragged in. Uh, and, and most of them, I, I have, you know, immediately I, I related to the kids. I would say about 75% of the kids were there under forced draft. 
And I could see the hell that each kid had gone through with the preceding week. Uh, you know, the kid wanted to be a kid. See, instead, his, uh, his mother, who never went anywhere in her own life, and by George, uh, she's, she's going to see to it that, uh, that Esther Jane learns to play the accordion because <laughs> and here this poor little kid would be standing up by the microphone her, so little that her feet would stick out from underneath the accordion and you'd see the top of her head over the accordion this gigantic accordion about 700 pounds full of uh, all kinds of wind and equipment and, and straps and stuff struggling through three notes of uh, well, uh, such things as stardust they were always playing stardust <laughs> Well, she had so many kids on the show that no kid could play more than four or five notes. And this is where I came in. I was a traffic cop. My job was to drag the kid away from the microphone and drag the other kid, the next one, in front of it. And, then, and I had a, a list, see? And I'd say, well, that was little Mary Jean Glockenspiel playing Stardust. Thank you, Mary Jean. And I'd push her up, and her mother would get mad. I could see her face is getting livid because they'd worked all month on this, uh, this Stardust, and we only got three notes. And she goes, da, 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 dee, la, dee, dee. Thank you. That was Mary Jean Glockenspiel playing her accordion. And that's after only six weeks of lessons. Your child, too, can learn to play just the way little Esther Jane plays the accordion. And now, Mary Jane Strickland is going to play for us on her accordion. She's going to play, what was that? Uh, she's going to play Red Sails in the Sunset. Mary Jane Strickland. Let's give her a big hand. And, of course, no mother is ever going to give another kid a big hand. So there'd be a little ripple of applause. Uh, Mary Jane's uh, cousin and uh, her mother would applaud. And then she would start... Uh, you'd hear this. She's trying to get her her equipment all right. And then she would go. <clears throat> Thank you very much. That was Mary Jean Strickland. And now we move on to the xylophone section. And they'd start moving the xylophone. Oh. And sometimes wake up at three in the morning dreaming of endless kids with accordions hey speaking of that that phenomenon teaching kids how to play the piano and and all these other instruments when they hate they really hate it i wonder how many guys were scarred for life by violin lessons uh, this can be very humiliating when everybody else is out playing second bass and you're going down to buy some rosin uh, hey and I'm just curious, how many of you have ever seen a movie that's based on that entire premise? And it is a genuine... I, I hesitate to, to, to say what it is. It's a, it's a surreal movie. And you know, surrealism is quite rare in any of uh, the pop art forms. Did you ever see a movie? I'll give you a clue. A movie about taking a piano lesson. Very surreal. What was the name of that movie? And all good movie buffs know this because this was a kind of a landmark movie. And I'll give you another clue. It starred a guy, the star of it. There were several stars, but the star, the real star that ran through it, was a guy who was on WOR for a long time. Now, what was the name of the movie? And uh, who was the guy? And <laughs> really, it's a great movie. If you ever get a chance to see this, it was on television here a couple of 
months ago. And if you ever see it pop up on TV, see it. Really, it's an extraordinary movie. And more than that, if you see it, be sure to try to see it in color, because the color is absolutely wild in this thing. But uh, now, what was that movie? Now, come on, you guys. You, 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 uh, you base your whole existence on the fact you know all these things. Now, come on. All right, I'll give you another clue then. I'll give you another clue. The female lead, let's say the female sub-lead, the romantic lead in this, although in ways she was kind of the heavy too, uh, was also on WOR for a long time. Aha. Uh -huh. How do you like that? They, they, uh, it was a great movie, really, a very funny movie. And the final scene is an absolute tour de force of surrealistic movie making. And I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of what the final scene is. So maybe this will give you a clue. The final scene was in a, a very strange, wild-looking auditorium. And the, the auditorium, was, it was really not an auditorium. It was kind of a, a dream capsule of some kind. And it had white, curving walls. It was all dead white, as far as you could see. And it was curving. Everything was curving all the place. It was tremendous. And running around in and out of the curving walls of this curious, strange, surreal, Dali-esque place was an enormously long, was like a serpent. It just wound all around. Was this incredibly long piano keyboard. And seated at this keyboard were thousands of kids all winding in and out of this fantastic scene and the lights are changing. And high above them is this maniacal director He's standing like at a, on, a, on, a, on a high platform, like maybe a thousand feet above him. It's wild. And he's way up there, and he's got these giant silver batons. And he's dressed like, uh, well, he's dressed like a devil, actually. He, he, yeah, he looks like the devil. He's got this great cape with a, with a huge swirling red lining, and he had the, all kinds of silver cabalistic uh, medals all over him. And he's up there directing these kids. And, and he taps on this this uh, celestial podium, and you hear it ring. It goes ding, 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 ding. And all the kids sit up. They look scared. Their hands go to the piano. And then he 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 takes that 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 silver baton with great delicacy, and he rings it again. Ding, ding, ding. He raises his hands high and his cape swirls and he brings down this 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 downbeat and out of this enormous thing you hear the sound and that's what's so fantastic about it with all this tremendous place the sound is one little thin sad piano badly played millions of kids are playing away at it all with a great look of fear in your eyes and this devil gets taller and taller and the piano music raises higher and higher and he's swirling up on this enormous podium his eyes are flashing and this great silver baton is rising up and down it looks like looks like some kind of a sword or a spear or a lance okay what show what movie was that You'd like to see it, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right.
uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you get carried away by this, but uh, this was based on the whole premise of terror uh, that involves uh, kids when they have to learn to play uh, some kind of a crazy instrument. Well, I'll tell you this. One of the great fears in my high school days, and this is when I when I was going to high school, uh, I, I had a fear, and it was really a great fear. And it had nothing to do with algebra. It had nothing to do with, uh, with English or history. But every Thursday afternoon at 3.30, I used to have to go into this private band room. I played in the orchestra and the band. And I would have to go into this private band room, and we had a lady... Very, uh, very, she was not really strict, but she was enigmatic. I didn't say anything. And she was tall and thin. Her name was Miss McCullough. And Miss McCullough taught the strings in the orchestra. And every Thursday at 3.30 was my time. <laughs> and for 15 minutes, I would stand before this music stand with a big double B-flat bass, a big, big uh, bass fiddle, what you call a bass fiddle, a big fiddle, big bass. And she would just say nothing. She'd just take the lesson book that we used, the, the uh, exercise book, she'd just open it to a page. She'd say, uh, I want you to start at, uh, start at figure C. And I would take up my bow, nervous, sweating, I take up my bow and I put rosin on it. I always used to used to try to stall for time. I'd, I'd adjust it. I'd put the rosin on it, and then I'd, <laughs> I'd look because getting started was the worst, most difficult part. And I'd put my hand up on the bridge, you know, up, up, up there, and I'd, I'd I'd listen to the bass. Doom, 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 doom. I was pretending to tune it. Doom, 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 doom. Miss McCullough would look at her watch. Meaning, let's get on the stick. Say nothing. She's sitting there in her, her metal chair and just waiting. And then I would start to play. Schwartz and the guys, we used to we used to jam a lot. <laughs> you know, that never ate. I played for two hours straight. All I had to do was play maybe three or four measures for Miss McCullough. My hand is aching all the way up through my elbow. It's your left hand that aches when you play the bass. And then uh, I would finish that section, section C. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, now, 
Would you turn to page 57? I'd like you to try uh, page 57 and begin at the top. And I would turn to page 57, and there it would be at the top. It says pizzicato. Now, pizzicato, if you are not aware of the term, pizzicato means a string that is plucked. To pluck it is pizzicato. You know, boom, boom. So, <laughs> I'd say, all right, uh, 57, 57. Then should I start at the top, Miss McCullough? Yes, please. And so I would get that bass, and I would start. I'd go... Boom, 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 boom. Now, my left hand is aching all the way into my shoulder, and I feel seven gigantic blisters forming on my right hand, which they never did when I played. Oh, I used to dread Thursdays. Never told me anything. Just sit and listen. kids that are taking those piano lessons, we bow our head for 10 seconds in silence. We know exactly what you're going through. God only knows the tortures that man can wreak upon his fellow man. fingers of Dr. You mean you don't know this movie? I can't believe it. You know, you know what surprises me? Movie buffs are generally not really fans of... Uh, they're not really interested in movies. They're interested in stars. And so they'll go to see a real terrible film by Humphrey Bogart. And here's a really great piece of unbelievably imaginative stuff. I never saw that. And who was the guy? Well, I'll tell you who the guy was. Peter Lind Hayes. Mary Healy. And who else? Madman. Really a great and, and this is one of the great one of the best roles I ever saw this guy play. The guy that played the devil. The evil movie. He was he was a movie uh, music teacher. He was a music teacher. They had this fantastic school for kids. And the, the kids were like in a concentration camp. They used to have cells. They had cells for them. They kept them in. they drag them out of a cage to play the piano. They had numbers. They each had a little beanie. Great little beanie with a plastic hand on it that showed the fingers of the piano. Bring it up there, please. Please. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for In Conversation, okay?